0: Good morning, everyone. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, it's my tradition to tell a story um, before I preach. This week's it's about uh, the young minister. He came home after a day in the parish, a day in the church, and um, there was his wife in front of the mirror with a brand new dress on. And he said, honey, that looks Fabulous, but it also looks expensive. How much was it? And she told me, He said, oh, my goodness, darling, you know we're on a tight budget, you know. How could you spend that money on a dress? She said, well, I put it on in the shop and I looked, it looks so great, oh, I don't know, the devil made me do it. And he said, why didn't you say, get behind me, Satan? And she said, I did. And he said, it looks great from back here too. (laughs) Shall we pray? The book of Hebrews tells us, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Lord, we thank you that this is the power of your word. You speak to us through your word. And today we look at a word which is two and a half thousand years old. But it's ever new. There's principles in this word that challenge us today as Christians as we look at the life of this godly man, Daniel. So we pray your Holy Spirit speaks to us all this morning in the word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you some questions today, and these aren't, um, you know, these are questions which I want you to answer. And it is what do you know about. the Old Testament exile. Anything you know about the exile at all? The when, the where, the who? You might be able to tell me the where. Where are they exiled to? Babylon, okay, there's the where. Exiled to Babylon. And the who is who was the great king in charge of Babylon at the time? I know Ross knows. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. right, he was the who. Um, the when, any idea when it happened? Roughly? 586 BC. Oh, Ross, you're at the top of the class today. 586 BC, and importantly, how long did the exile last for? How long were they in in this captivity for, the Hebrew people? Seventy years in exile. right. The big question, why did it happen? The why. Why did it happen? God took his hand off the people because of the people's sin. And when we read the end of 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings, the Hebrew people, boy, did they go astray in worshipping other gods and setting up idols and totem poles, sometimes even offering their children as sacrifices to these foreign gods. Can you believe it? These are God's people. And, uh, And God sent the prophets again and again to warn them to turn back to God um, we could say that God punished the people because of their sin I like to think what Sandra said that God had this protective hand upon his people always protecting them within the land but because they constantly turned their back on him he took his protective hand away and nature took, took its course and the Babylonians came in, they sacked sack, sack Jerusalem um, they looted Judah uh, many of the people were taken away as captives this is the, this is the the Old, Old Testament exile. Okay, now the book of Daniel occurs in this seventy year period, and it begins by telling us about four young men who who Nebuchadnezzar put his finger on as men who who could raise up and uh, help uh, to lead the country. What were the names of these four young men in the book of Daniel? Any ideas? You got it. Daniel was the first one, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or Abednego. Yep. Now, those last three Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego what are they famous for? Yeah. Wasn't the lion's den? You're getting close. Hmm? Yes, Mary? The fiery furnace. Why were they put in the fiery furnace? What was the reason? Because they they, they didn't follow commands of the king. Didn't follow commands of the king to bow down before the idol. They remained like it was. You will bow down before my idol or you'll be, be thrown into the fiery furnace. These are young Hebrew men. They believed in the one true God. Actually, they believed in the... In following the first two commandments of the ten. The first two. Right, what was the first one? What's the first of all the commandments? Yeah, we often say love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. But that's Jesus' words. When when he summarised them, the first one was, Have no other gods before me. And the second one, you shall not bow down or make an idol so if they were to bow down before this idol then they'd be breaking the first two of God's commandments and we know that God saved them from the fiery furnace now in those first cha- chapters of daniel the young man daniel has a very special gift that no one in the king can, that no one in the entire kingdom has a very special gift He could interpret dreams, exactly. Because Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and he summoned the wise people and said, I've had this dream. And they said, will you tell us the dream and we shall shall interpret it for you. He said, no, I want you to tell me what the dream was and then interpret it. What they said, no one could do that. He said, right, off with their heads. All these wise people, I'm going to kill kill them all. No one can even tell me what my dream was. And some of the wise people were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They were in training. They were going to be killed too. So Daniel prays to God and he gives them the interpretation. He gives him the dream. And Daniel could go to Nebuchadnezzar and say, You dreamt about this statue, and its head was gold, and its chest was silver, and its stomach and its legs were bronze, and its feet, feet were made of iron, and it represents the four kingdoms to come after you. And he could interpret the dream. So everyone was let off. Okay. As we continue within the book of Daniel, um uh, Babylon is in turn conquered by the Medes and Persians. So the captors, cap, captive, the, the one who, are, who, have, who, are, who lorded over uh, the Hebrews, changes hands. Okay? Now they're under the Medes and Persians. And Daniel has risen up within the ranks under King, King Darius. And uh, Darius has divided the kingdom into 120 provinces. There's a fellow called a satrap, not a rat trap, a satrap <laughs> set over e- e- each of these provinces, and there are three administrators over them. Daniel's one of them. In verse three of our reading today, Daniel soon proved himself more capable, capable than all, all of the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So he was going to become number two. And uh, the others, they were jealous of him and wanted to bring him down. And so it tells us in verse four, then the other other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticise or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible and completely trustworthy. If we had people examine our lives, could we say the same? If they examined every part of our life trying to find fault, would our politicians pass that test today? Well, Daniel did. They tried to find fault, but he was faithful, always responsible and completely trustworthy. And so they decided in verse 5, and they concluded... Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion, for he was a Hebrew in this foreign land following the one true God amidst a pagan society that worshipped idols and they had hundreds of gods and um, Daniel was in the habit of praying to God every day. The scripture tells us that three times a day he would go up to his upstairs room and he would pray to God in front of this this open window and they decided that's something we can catch him on. So they went to the king to King Darius and um, they said your majesty live, live forever and they butted him up and they said we've come to this conclusion, be wonderful if you made the following law give orders that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone divine or human except you your majesty will be thrown into the lion's den. And that appealed to the king's pride, the sin of pride. Wow, wouldn't that be great? No one can ask anything to any man or God except me for the next 30 days. Done. And he signed the law. And the strange thing about the laws of the Medes and Persians was once it's signed, it cannot be undone even by the king. Okay, so... Daniel prays every day, but now there's a law saying, "You pray to any God, or man, it's death." What is the most courageous verse in the Bible? I've got some here for you to choose from. The first one comes from one Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. "You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of Almighty God. Who's speaking? Any ideas? David, in which situation? Against Goliath. This 2.7 metre hardened soldier, David, who's 17 or 18, he comes out with his slingshot. You come against him with a spear and sword and javelin, but I come against you in the name of Almighty God. Wow, how's that for bravery? He collected the five, five smooth stones for his slingshot, but how many did he need? One. He only needed one, for God was behind that stone and wham, right between the eyes. Okay, that's a brave verse. Another one to choose from is from the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, then the God whom we serve... He can, can, can save us. He will rescue us from, from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or bow down to the gold statue that you've set up. Said by? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Wonderful words. Our God has the power to save us from this furnace, but even if he chooses not to, We will not bow the knee before your idol. Wow. Another choice. Brave words from the Bible. From Mark 14, 36. Not my will, Father, but yours be done. Jesus, Jesus, where is he? (coughs) In Gethsemane. When he had that whole horror of the cross looming before him. Not my will, Father, not what I want, but your will be done. But the winner for me is from Daniel chapter six, verse ten. I got more, more into stop at verse nine today. I wanted to bring it to you myself. So Daniel's just heard the commandment, anyone who prays to any God or king other than King Darius shall be thrown into the lion's den. This is what verse ten tells us. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, giving thanks to God, just as he had always done. Now, bravery can have many forms. We think of the, you know, David, with the slingshot against the spear and the sword. But what about bravery about prayer? It's the threat of death. You're caught praying and it's death. And we think, Daniel, just put your prayers on hold for a month. That's only 30 days. Okay, or if you're going to pray, for goodness sake, don't do it in the open window where they can see you. Do it behind a closed door or somewhere. But Daniel was in the habit of praying in his open window toward Jerusalem, which was 1,500 kilometres away. And there he would pray to God three times a day in this open window and he said, I ain't gonna change. Now that teaches us something about prayer, doesn't it? For Daniel, prayer was so important that he was willing to face death. Last week we had the chance to sign up for the one hour of prayer and we think, oh, Not too early in the morning. Oh, have I really got time for this? When can I fit an hour in? Wow. But Daniel, matter of life and death. But by this, Daniel also tells us a major principle that we as Christians need to, to learn and to stick by. It's a principle which will help us to answer every problem and anything that life can throw at us. It's three simple words put God first. Put God first. That's the answer to every problem we can ever face. I'm going through financial h- hardship. It is really t- tough for me. Then put God first. I'm having relationship problems. Oh, my marriage it's just really difficult. Put God first. It's worse than that. I'm going through separation, divorce. Put God first I've been to the doctor he's given me the diagnosis and it's cancer put God first I live with grief every day since my partner died put God first I'm getting older I'm afraid of death put God first, and I could go on and on and I could raise every problem we could possibly think of and the answer would always be the same, put God first, put God first. That's what Daniel chose to do. Friends, have you ever had a situation where, like Daniel, putting God first has cost you something? Has cost you something? Happened to me three years ago. I've been ministering within the Uniting Church for um, five years. I was a Ch- Church of Christ minister serving within the Uniting Church, and for the next five, I became a, a, a Uniting Church minister of the Word. And I spent 10 years at the Maitland Parish, and I just started ministry at, at the Moonta Parish. And the Uniting Church passed a ruling about allowing same-sex marriage within the Uniting Church. Now, all I can say is, folk, I'm speaking from my own point of view and from my principles. I know there's varying views about this, but from my point of view, I looked at that and I know what the scripture said about marriage. I believe very strongly marriage is between a man and a woman and I could not see how a church could do this. It just didn't seem right. So to cut a long story short, I resigned from the Uniting Church ministry. And I was 62 years of age. I just started a five year term. My life was secure up until after retirement. And here I was, chucking it in. Because I just felt that the principles by what I live. And with that decision, I then made another decision. From then, and it was, that I am going to live my life from now on according to the word of God and obeying the word of God in my life. That's what I'm trying to do. Put God first. Well, they caught him. Daniel bowed in front of that window and they caught him. And uh, they went to the king and uh, they said... um, uh, this is the thing that um, Daniel's prayed. You know the law you passed. Verse, four, verse 14 of Daniel 6 tells us, Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. He was fond of Daniel and he realised that he'd been tricked and duped. He, he tried to find a way out, but strange thing about the law of the Medes and Persians was once the king gives the rubber stamp and passes that law, even he cannot overcome it. And so it tells us in verse 16, So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the lion's den. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Have you ever been thrown in the lion's den? Lion's dens can take many forms. Lions dens can be the, the, the hospital waiting room where we sit there and fret because our loved one has had an accident or they're near death and it's major surgery and all the lions claws of doubt that claw at our faith are there. I'm involved with a program called Unchained which is held up at the, still held at, at the Mile End Church. Reaches to men and women who are struggling, some of them out of prison, some of them coming out of drugs, etc. And, you know, the lion's den can be going into prison. That's for sure, wouldn't it be? When you go into prison, you feel like you're going into the lion's den. But some of these guys say, you know, it's just as bad coming out because I've become a Christian since I've been in prison. Wonderful program called Kairos Ministries. And um, uh, there they convert people and they become a Christian. So they're in the prison and they become a Christian and they're released and they say it's like stepping out into the lion's den. Everything I know has changed. I need new friends. I was involved in crime before. I was involved in drugs before and now it's all so scary. It's like I'm stepping into the lion's den or I've known people who have gone through Teen, Teen, Teen Challenge, the program for men that helps men to overcome substance abuse, also gambling, and they say, you know, those lions never leave you. Those lions are there every day clawing, trying to draw you back into that addiction. Going through separation divorce can be like going through the lion's den, the family court for some people as they deal with with their ex and every time they do it's like being in the lion's den. It's so frightening. And also, the lions can come at night, in the middle of the night. Have you had that experience? You toss and turn at night because the lions are there clawing at you. In the film Les Mis, Fantine sings the song, or the play it is, She sings the song, I had a dream how life could be. You know the song? And one of the verses of the song says, but the tigers come at night and they tear your dreams apart. And for you and me, the lions can come at night. And I mentioned before how I uh, resigned from the Uniting Church. I uh, went to the council meeting, the board meeting, handed in my letter. I went home and that night, during the night, the lions came. And they clawed at me. What have you done? The future just looked black. What was I going to do with myself? They clawed at me to such a point I even thought, can I renege the whole thing? I'll just go back and say, no, it wasn't right. I'll stay, I'll stay. The lions claw with doubt. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, eight, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. The devil, like the claws that come at us, we've all had experiences of being in the lion's den. But what's the answer for surviving the lion's den? Same answer we've had for everything put God first. King Darius was so worried about Daniel. Next morning he rushed. It tells us in verse 20, when, when, when King Darius got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. God sent His angel to shut the lions' mouths, and we pray for those guys who've become a Christian within the prison, and they're coming out in, 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 into society again, and there's all those lions there clawing at them. Lord God, shut the lions' mouths, or for the Christian person who has been addicted to a substance, and they're trying to kick it, and the lions are clawing. Lord God, shut the lion's mouths. And for our loved ones and our friends who are going through difficulties where the doubts of the claws of the lions come upon them, we pray, Lord God, shut the lion's mouths because in Jesus' name we have that power. And in Daniel's story, we have another lesson, had that first lesson, put God first. The second lesson... Comes from one Samuel chapter two verse thirty, God honors those who honor Him. Isn't that Daniel's story? God honors those who 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 honor Him. Found it to be my story as well. I had that night where the lions clawed at me about what I'd decided. I um, negotiated be a two-month period. I would serve in the ministry for two months more. Then my resignation happens. And um, during that time, I started conversations with a church called Western Communities Church of Christ. It's rather a miracle the way it happened. I won't say it now. That's another story. But I found myself, I had a job for the future. I had a ministry, which is in turn... Led here. So I give testimony and I say, I have found that to be true in my life. God honours those who honour him. The story of Daniel gives us two great principles put God first, and God honours those who honour him. A short time of reflection for us each to think about what putting God first means. (laughs) to us. Let's just have a time of quietness. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message, the principles you've taught us from the book of Daniel today. Lord, that principle to put God first is a challenge to us all. And as we've been sitting here, maybe you've been bringing things to mind, areas of our life where we are not putting God first. And we need to. We thank you, Lord, for that promise that God honours those who honour him. If we live our lives obedient to your word and obediently following our Lord Jesus Christ, then you promise to honour us. And Lord, we pray for it. there may be folk here this morning who feel that they're in the midst of the lion's den or we have loved ones we know are in the midst of the lion's den and we pray in the name of Jesus to shut the lion's mouths that they can be free. Thank you, Lord, for what you've taught us from your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.